There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You don't own me. Booking a room with two beds at a hotel isn't exactly your idea of a romantic getaway. Orbitz gets it. Visit orbitz.com slash pride to find hotels that welcome you to travel as you are. Orbitz, travel as you are. So just let me be myself to say and do whatever I Hello, my name is Dave Henry and there will be no Encore. Welcome to episode 14 of the No Encore podcast. Hold up, hold up, roll up, roll up. We're back. <laughs> no? That was quite dramatic. Yeah. It's a Kanye West that. lyric. I thought, I thought you would have known. No? Yeah, we knew, but... This is off to, This is already off to a bad start. I don't know, it's just a <laughs> switch in energy that I wasn't expecting. I'm trying to energise the podcast. Okay, I'm up, I'm ready, I'm good to go. That's Craig Fitzpatrick. What's up, man? Hunterino. That nah, doesn't work at all. Hunterino. It does work. How does it work? Like Gran, Gran Torino. Torino. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible film. <laughs> no, it's not. That's, That's a rubbish. good film. What? It's Clint rubbish. Eastwood being Clint Eastwood as an old man. Yeah. Who would have thought it? No, it's not good. Uh, Colin Morrigan? Yo. What's up? How are you? Yeah, not bad. Do you have a better nickname? Hananarama. That's better already. I feel like we used that already. We did use no, it. No, I don't think we did, no. I suggested using it to you. Look, if, if there's a reason oh, why... Oh, that was it. He's had that in the bag, yeah. We're all yeah pretty, that was a good one. We're all pretty hyped. Craig's drinking some sparkling water and it's he's It's too much for me. I'm what? not a fan. Sparkling water is lovely. Still or go home. You have to learn to love sparkling water. Mm. Okay. Mix it in with like some dilutable stuff and then you're good to go. Like what? Oh, you're very welcome back to Martha Stewart's, <laughs> Stewart's podcast. Uh, <laughs> Martha Stewart's Stewart's podcast. <laughs> Stick some cocaine in it. Like. No, I'm talking about like my wadi or something. Okay. All right. I don't have any of that, so... Well, you can get them from your local store. <laughs> All right, I'll pop out. I'm pretty sure. All right. My Waddy, sponsors of No Encore. Yeah. They're not, though. They're not. They're not, They're really so not. fuck them. Robinson's is better. Anyway, we're all a bit hyped. I think we're all still kind of having that spillover from... What did we do at the weekend, lads? We, we went to wrestling. We went to the wrestling show for Colm's birthday. Yeah, the, <laughs> it, was, it was actually for Colm's birthday. It was, was yeah, Okay, yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was a trip out. It was a very strange way to celebrate a birthday, I must say. 
Yeah, it was my first time, um, and it was quite enjoyable. It was a bit sweatier than I imagined. It but was then I'd, fucking yeah, roasting was, in yeah. the Tivoli Theatre for um, over-the-top wrestling. Yeah, it was great crack, though. There's lots of grease, there's lots of dandruff flying about. And a man got his head split open, which yeah. you, you wanted to happen I all show. I wanted to happen, yeah. I wanted a nice chair shot, and it fi- happened at the debt. Right at the end. Yeah. Uh, he didn't die. No, you. he's alive. Um, <laughs> shout out to Big Damo, by Big the way. Damo. Five staples in his head, we understand. Um, just to satisfy Craig's bloodlust. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not satisfied, I'm going back. And it was real. It wasn't like a blood capsule, it wasn't a blade job, it was no. real. That man suffered for for you. Suffered and for you his specifically. Uh, really, really good fun. Good choice of music as well. Yeah, the bits of it, I must say, now. Yeah. Yeah, it was Pride impressive. Weekend, and um, they were kind of sticking with that as the soundtrack. A bit of YMCA before things got kicked off. It was kind of, I don't know. standard wrestling show beginning, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it set the tone. Yeah, well, I suppose, <laughs> you know. Grappling with, um, what was it? Fabulous Nikki. Fabulous Nikki. Um, <laughs> and the boys. So, yeah, <laughs> the, it was the good. The rest of the gang. <laughs> yeah, and uh, speaking of suffering for your art, uh, Dave, the following day... Uh, <laughs> It's not a festival, it's a series of gigs. Yeah, that's true. I I, I'm off on a technicality here. Found his way to Cigarose. I did, in the Royal Hospital Kilmainham, uh, not far away from where I live, so it was a grand little trek for me. Uh, supported by James Vincent McMurray, you're right, it is the first of a series of gigs. They will pretty much be done and festival, dusted. Festival, in other words. <laughs> no, it's not a festival. It can't be a festival if the gigs take place two days Aside from each other. Okay, if there's no kind of tents and no Native American headdresses, it's not a festival. True, they had lots of bars and lots of kind of food stalls and, you know, it had the appearance of a festival. festive atmosphere. But it wasn't a festival. Okay. Uh, They actually moved the stage in the RHK. You know, it's usually down at the bottom of the hill? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's now up the top of the hill and to the right. It's very strange. Right. Uh, I don't know what the point of that was. It doesn't make much sense just going from a kind of people seeing things standpoint Did yeah it work? i can't it does work yeah it uh-huh. actually was fine um although it didn't work so well for support at james vincent mcmorrow who uh, took to twitter afterwards to kind of note that he didn't get uh, any real sound check or any kind of preparation in terms of his his set which was fairly kind of standard i have to say he has a new band it was their third show together and you could kind of tell not that they were off or anything but it was like yeah this is still something that's kind of figuring itself out and I kind of feel like he was a little bit lost in the, you know, it's half eight or whatever and like the sun's still out and people are filing in and it just didn't really register too well. Uh, even Cavalier, just which is a great, great song, didn't really kind of come off. So but you know, that, that can happen at a festival, so... Yeah, and you're also, right, it can, but this wasn't a festival. Oh, sorry, so, so sorry, there's no excuses Dave, for anybody. You don't go to festivals anymore. I don't go anymore. to festivals anymore, yeah. no. I'm also not sure how much James Vincent McMorris' mind might have been distracted, but I know that he recently announced uh, a tour schedule for October, relatively extensive, and yet yeah, time would suggest that a follow-up to his last album, which I think was January 2014, okay. is probably due. Yeah. So, well, he tweeted a while ago that he finished the record. So, yeah. So, if we see that in the next couple of months, it probably explains a new band. It probably explains being a bit rusty and unprepared in terms. Of yeah, it felt. It kind of felt like he was road testing a lot of new material as well. Like it was fine. You know, like there was nothing bad about it. It was just kind of like, oh, you know, I kind of feel like if I caught him at say Vicker Street on his mm-hmm. own, it'd be a completely different show. And I, I suppose s- that that is the space to do it for him. Absolutely, you know, it's not yeah. his own show. At it's not his own tour. <laughs> at a festival. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think I need to clarify <laughs> something at this point. But I'll move on and talk about the main event, Cigarose. Uh I wasn't really in the mood for a gig. It was hours after Ireland were knocked out of the Euros, despite a brave, brave effort as usual. And, you know, the night after the wrestling, I was kind of like, oh, a gig, really? I don't know. But um, I'm glad I went. 
I saw them before. I think I mentioned this before in the podcast at Picnic a few years ago, and everyone was just chatting like it was a beer garden. Yeah, it was quite annoying. Uh, this was a lot better. There was some of that, I have to say. There was a little bit of that. I had to move a couple of times because there was a few hashtag revelers with their fucking thousand yard stairs and taking numerous selfies, and you're just like, why the fuck are you even here? But that, you're, like, you're going to get that at every Irish gig, I feel. It's just it's, it's unavoidable, unavoidable. And I gather it was also kind of a, a stripped down cigarettes lineups, like without the brass section and all that stuff. It was just stuff. the three so lads, it was yeah. going to be a little quieter true uh, to some degree they kind of like i think you know again you wish to kind of have been pitch black when they first came out because they're behind this kind of mesh netting yeah. thing and then they come out and they do their show and they got this very very cool visual set they got these kind of panels and there's lights kind of going around them all the time and it's, it's really kind of futuristic and weird it got a bit dark towards the end which definitely helped it but overall i think some of the effect was lost i thought they were fantastic the set was brilliant they really like i mean like it's cigarettes they played the hits i suppose they didn't play happy polo though uh, so nobody was doing the you missed your moment yeah thankfully that didn't happen that's fair enough they were great though I really enjoyed it I saw a lot of people afterwards kind of saying that it was a bit empty and a bit kind of U2 uh, which I didn't really get I thought it, the, uh, every U2. song U2 yeah I, people were kind of like oh this is like stadium indie pop and I'm like it isn't really uh, did Bono come out because thankfully you know, not no he didn't he's, he's got liable form, to do that but yeah that didn't happen but no it was great uh, Jonesy smashed his bow in two at the end of it and threw it into the crowd I believe somebody from Hot Press actually yeah, got absolutely that right, yes, she's, she's very very, very happy that's awesome uh, yeah it's fucking cool I'd want that yeah definitely no um, I have to say for them two thumbs up uh, greatly enjoyable kind of ethereal post-rock way to end Sunday as I believe you guys were watching Belgium destroy Hungary 4-0 yeah, yeah, I guess that's exactly what we were doing. Um, also flicking over to the highlights of Glastonbury. Um, after what looked like being a terrible build-up where the mud was at just biblical yeah, proportions. Yeah, it it it's worse since about 97, I think they were saying, so nearly 20 years. But yeah. it all seemed to go okay-ish. Uh, okay, you should probably okay. You should probably the word, isn't it? When you've kind of Adele and Coldplay being two of the headliners, it just seemed all. Why are Muse getting off blah. on that one? I feel like well, at least are... they try and do a bit of a put on a bit of a spectacle. No, it wouldn't Don't exactly Coldplay do that as well though. They I think do. Coldplay I do have that they, whole technical or fucking you know. Yeah, they they hand out wristbands that kind of glow. Um, they really go like for that. it. And to be fair, I think you know one thing I want to say about that Coldplay thing. I didn't see that much at Glastonbury at all. I kind of I was extending my festival boycott to. Televisual uh, performances of festivals as well, and actually, the, the truth is, I just wasn't really arsed this year. And Coldplay, though, at one point, I think a lot of people have seen this by now. They paid tribute to that band Viola Beach, who unfortunately, along with their manager, passed away while on tour in a horrible accident earlier this year. And they did something that I thought was absolutely wonderful. They did a thing where they basically, as Chris Martin said. Uh, in his Chris Martin way, he created the band's alternate future for them, where they would headline Glastonbury for a song, and they played like half of their track, uh, Boys That Sing, and they had kind of visuals of the band playing it from when they played at the introducing stage a few years ago, and then they kind of joined in midway through, and it was a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. It, it was executed very, very well. Everyone seemed to kind of go with the goodwill. I think whatever you think about Coldplay, you have to take your hat off for that one. I mean, like, you think about what the families of that band must have gone through in that moment, and it's something that they're obviously never going to forget. And they didn't have to do it. It was a cool thing to do. I don't think it was self-serving. I thought it was just a lovely, lovely gesture. Yeah, I must agree. I think there's probably cynics out there that would say that it was sort of a, you know, a headline grab or whatever the hell. I didn't. I thought it was really, really nice. They they seem like very pleasant gentlemen. Before we move... Nice touch all around, yeah. Before we move on from televisual uh, coverage of the weekend, uh, I want... Keep it brief now. Keep it brief because we could have an entire podcast dedicated to this. So a one or two sentence response to the final episode of Game of Thrones. 
they did what they needed to do, and they did it very, very well. And I have to say, Raman Jawadi, who does the music for the show, really stepped up to the plate. Uh, the musical cues were excellent. I, everyone's obviously talking about the long piano sequence that kind of opens the episode and goes through the first sequence, which is very memorable. If you haven't seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you have seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. And also, there's a big re- kind of a reveal towards the end of the episode involving Jon Snow that we all knew was coming. But again, the way those kind of scenes melt together, I thought was excellent television. The music itself was incredibly stirring, and I thought it was effectively done very well. I can pick holes in the show, because it's a soap opera, but I'm not going to. I thought the last two episodes did a fantastic job of moving pieces into position for the next season, and I will still watch it despite my many reservations. Craig, two shorter sentences on the finale of Game of Thrones. I did my best! I did my best! <laughs> now, that was actually very impressive, it must be said. Like I say, this is an hours of conversation sort of topic, so... Yeah, music was banging. It was great. <laughs> cool. Yeah, Craig, Craig, Craig nailed it there. I come on, come I, on. I think the word that's jumped to mind in the past few weeks for me is satisfying. Um... You know, we've seen yeah. all the people that we wanted to get their comeuppance, get their comeuppance. Is uh, it a case of, you know, we're getting what we want, but maybe not what we need? Is the show kind of moved away from the subtleties and the kind of, you know, it didn't always give you that heroic ending. Maybe it's just the fact we're coming, we're moving into what's probably like the final third. Mm-hmm. So it's just oh, naturally well, going to resolve in certain ways and maybe happily in some instances. Yeah. But it just seems like we're being given lots of, oh, brilliant, I'm glad that happened. We're moving forward and losing a bit of the kind of essence of the show and the, the kind of light and shade of it. I'd agree with that. And also one real quick thing, if I may throw a little bit of a dig in, I, one character's fate in particular was kind of lessened by the fact that like he was basically sized up by Scooby-Doo. Like it was just, it didn't look good. Sure. Okay. But it's Game of Thrones. It is what it is. It is what it is. There uh, are grimmer things in the world. There are are far worse, yes. Say, for example, Brexit. Brexit. It happened. Um, uh, Didn't think it was going to happen. Our our, our news talk business journalist, Craig Fitzpatrick, upon leaving leaving the studio last Thursday, which was the night before, the night of the vote, I believe, um, I said to Craig, hey man, I'm a bit ignorant to all this kind of thing. I've got my finger on the pulse. Yeah, I said, you know, what's it going to mean? Like, is it really going to affect us? Like, should we be be worried? And what did you say? Never going to happen, mate. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we woke up the next morning and all had changed, changed utterly. Yeah, the worst had happened, or was it the worst? Um, And there's obviously been reaction from essentially everyone. Musicians have been hopping in, but there's been a few interesting ones. Um, Natasha Khan, Bat for Lashes, someone you might expect to be very much against um, a Brexit. I mean, she comes from a family of immigrants. She's talked about, you know, how bad the whole campaign surrounding the kind of Leave vote um, had been in terms of just, you know, the hateful nature of it. But she's kind of come out with a long statement, which is actually quite thoughtful, I think. Um, She said she's obviously devastated by the message that the choice kind of puts out. But overall, she says, really kind of, you know, Britain withdrawing from the EU is is a good thing, really. She says, essentially, it's it's, um, something that's going to revolutionise the structures that are in place and kind of, you know, the EU's been bloated and not doing anything for people for such a long time. This is maybe just kind of wake up call. We all need it, even if it's going to hurt for a while. So I don't know. It's it, it's an opinion. It's an interesting one. Probably a bit of merit in it, but it's a controversial one at the moment. Yeah. On the flip side of that, Anania's called it a, a prison riot. Well, yeah, I vote. guess that's yeah, maybe along those lines of just okay. It's a kind of you know, it's been the general uh, protest vote. Yeah, so a protest vote essentially. Um, other people haven't been quite so on board with it. Um, Tom York and Nigel Godrich have called for another vote, which mm-hmm. we do in Ireland. We'd be getting that if we were here. <laughs> um, PJ Harvey kind of took to the stage at Glastonbury and um, read out a poem that was basically "No man is an island," um, suggesting that she thinks we very much or Britain very much should have stayed. David um, Alburn, David Alburn, and wrapping up his performance with the orchestra of Syria. 
musicians said that don't be disheartened we can fix this yeah Uh, james also came out in support of remaining in the eu presumably shortly after they explained to most of glastonbury who they actually are (laughs) (laughs) do you remember sit down by telling them to sit down down. yeah Yeah, don't sit down don't sit down on brexit stand up and be heard yeah uh noel gallagher meanwhile uh, oh really what's the final say well he said i see politicians on tv every night telling us this is a fucking momentous decision that could fucking change britain forever and blah 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 it's like okay why don't you fucking do what we pay you to do and run this fucking country and make your fucking mind up what are you asking the people for 99% of the people are thick as pig shit here here now on I can't, ep- just, I can't disagree <laughs> on episode 2 of this one. podcast I listened back to it and I was like oh man I curse way too much but by comparison to that maybe not enough yeah, to but be he, perfectly he, honest the only Brexit discussion that I've had personally with a musician was last Thursday when I talked to Simon Neal from Biffy Clyre and at the very end of it I kind of threw out a joke and said hey mate hope you don't need a visa to come tour here next time and he literally just fucking every third word like we better not fucking leave we didn't fucking vote to fucking stay in the fucking UK and then fucking leave Europe I think Scotland are going to be leaving the United Kingdom very soon Yeah. Um, so yeah interesting times Simon Neil of Biffy Clyro uh, also you you know when you were talking to him used your name quite a bit an awful lot yeah (laughs) yeah I mean obviously just in a very friendly sense in a way to kind of you know build a connection but if you just like you know tell me about the album and he's like well it's a very interesting collection Colm and you're like all right. Is that just a Scottish thing, or is it something he's doing as a as a BNPR trained? Yeah, this to be isn't like, the first time say, it's people like to, hearing their own name. It's not the first time it's happened to Cullum, though. Like I, maybe it's just that name. It, it does kind of roll off the tongue. Cullum. Yeah, Cullum. Yeah. Cullum. Cullum. You know, you, you can do whatever you want. All right, let's stop doing that now, please. And, okay, uh, Cullum. Move okay, on Cullum. from Brexit, one thing that we can't truly explain, to another one that we're also going to struggle with massively. As uh, Apple have developed some sort of technology that's going to stop filming and photo taking at gigs. Yeah, so they've actually had this technology in the bag for a good few years. I think 2009 was when they applied for it. And essentially it works off infrared signals. So it, it it's if you're kind of on a stage, you can send out an infrared signal that a camera on an iPhone will pick up and then it can kind of issue it with commands, essentially. So you can be there ready to take a video of whatever you're watching on stage and it will just come up saying, nope, your camera's disabled. Um, so a lot of musicians are going to be very happy with this because we've I'm had years... i as well. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Yeah. Um, you know, musicians' arguments being like, not so much you're, you know, pirating our stuff, but just be in the moment, stop being dickheads to the people around you and blocking them with sometimes iPads and ridiculous things. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Don Henley, who's gone out on tour, has kind of issued yeah. a, an edict to anyone going to his gig saying that, you know, you're not allowed to take photos. I don't know how that's going to be enforced because I don't think he's like, hand, like, he's having people hand them in. The band Glassjaw, I think about last year, they were doing a couple of shows in the UK. And they wanted the people to hand in their phones. Yeah. Which I'm all about. I think phones should be handed in there. Phones should be handed in at like fucking table quizzes. And, you know, like, like we look, lads, we fucked Table it. quizzes. We fucked <laughs> it, so we have. Yeah, to be fair. The injustice of table quizzes. Well, I looked like, the way you're raging against that, man. People, okay, sorry. People, people who use their phones during a table quiz are scum. Right with you, Dave. Right with you. I scum. agree, but... Also, I, I, I love how the most outspoken... You're, you're only feeling yourself like... It's the most outspoken person... Uh, talking Sad. about f- photos and filming at gigs is Don fucking Henley. Yeah, man. As though his fans are like an army of teenage girls <laughs> flexing for the gram. Like. He's the last iconoclast, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Going from censoring uh, photographers uh, to censoring artists, Lady Gaga banned from China. For the second time, apparently. Yeah, so like, I mean... Like, did, was there a lift or did they forget? Is this like Graham Pohl at the World Cup that time when he gave a player three yellow cards? I mean, like, like seriously, like, like they need to tighten up, I think, in their administration. They really do. Um, she met with the Dalai Lama. 
and um, he's always now, hanging out with rock stars and musicians. He, he really, really is. is. Really? Yeah. Does he have an Instagram? Because if he does, whore. I'd imagine it's pretty, like he's doing some serious flexing for that gram. Yeah, I don't think he does uh, have an Instagram. I could Meditating be, I, for that gram. I could, I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, as you say, uh, Lady Gaga was a band uh, before in in 2011, and yes, it was lifted three years later. Okay, um, after the release of Born This Way, um, because they liked the album so much, they were like, "Yeah, you get know her what? back in here. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's done it again." <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, maybe her poker face. Worked. Oh, there's quite a uh, list can we turn on Craig's of, mic, please? There's quite a list of people who've already been banned from there: Selena Gomez, Bjork, Bon Jovi, Maroon Five, and Oasis because that's necessary. Yeah. Um, they're all on the no list, and Lady Gaga now joins it. I mean, it's an interesting one as well, though. Like considering that China is such a monstrous economy now, and and that you know, like a lot of people are seeing it as the next big place to break. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that either a artists are kind of valuing their I guess, their genuine beliefs and their consciences uh, to talk with the Dalai Lama and to try to find a better world more than they are the economic potential of China. Or is a picture with the Dalai Lama worth that much more? I think it's worth it. He's a pretty cool guy. He seems like a cool dude, yeah. Yeah. And look, any country that bans Selena Gomez, the lovely, wonderful, brilliant Selena Gomez, (laughs) uh, I'm sorry, but like, I won't be visiting you anytime soon. Dave hates China. It's a very inoffensive <laughs> That's a big list. Statement. Maroon it Five a big being, statement. you know, there's not a lot of people there that okay, Oasis maybe. Bjork probably said something. No, I'm Bjork. What is, yeah, an upstart. Another one of those Icelandic upstarts. I liked how uh, China's foreign ministry spokesman Hong Lei was asked if he yeah. thought the meeting between Gaga and the Dalai Lama would lead to a bad romance with China. To which he responded, "Who? Yeah." Yeah, so he, he hates puns too clearly. He's not into it now. <laughs> so, so yeah. So it, it's Craig and that bloke uh, trying to <laughs> trying to ask punny questions, and we're ignoring you all. Um, <laughs> speaking of saying shit to get in trouble, though, Fifty Cent after we actually read out a profanity laden. This statement. is my favorite headline of the year. Uh, yeah, Fifty Cent arrested for profanity in the Caribbean. Brilliant. That tells you all you need to know. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a dyslexic. This is what I want. Depp this this is what I want. I mean, like, like we've seen so much grim news this year. I want this. I want crazy, stupid nonsense like this. Yeah. So, Fiddy was on stage. Um, reportedly said, or sorry, repeatedly said the word "motherfucking" while performing "PIMP." Uh, I think we can hear about four seconds of the song here to illustrate. That's the bit. and uh, <laughs> Well worth it. Local police uh, arrested and escorted him to the police station promptly at the concert's end. And uh, on Monday, uh, he was required to pay a fine and appear in court because it's classified as a misdemeanor in St. Kitts. But hold on. I mean, surely you know what you're getting with 50 Cent. How did this happen? He's, how not, did having he... a, he's not having a good time, is well, he? How did the gig end up happening? Like, surely people would have known this was a... But, you know, a possibility that he might let a few kind of maybe it was naughty. one of those matinee shows where it's only fourteen-year-old people and no alcohol. But like, so and he, he forgot s- that aspect of it. <laughs> just vitamin water. Yeah. yeah. How would that work as well? Does he have to come on and sing his own radio edits? Like that'd be that'd great. be good. Does he still wear a Kevlar vest? I oh, haven't like, seen him in the last. Well, I think since he went bankrupt, twenty-four it's now hours just made of like tin foil or something. Like. <laughs> it's not gonna. It's not gonna work just, for him. Just bin bags slung over like a poncho at a festival. I just the bad thing is coming threes. So that's all I'm saying. We've had two now. So next week I don't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, frank, frankly, uh, I'm not it, sorry. I'm not, I'm not intimating that he might get murdered or anything. Yeah, I, I hope. No. It's, I hope it's something wacky. He's clearly invincible as well. Right. I, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting anything until Dave just said that. No, it's more than we're talking bulletproof vests and going to be keeping an eye on you, sir. <laughs> Uh, he's got good uh, good company in terms of getting in trouble for swearing, though, because Adele uh, has been uh, in trouble with the BBC 
uh, who gave her a warning uh, for using her potty mouth. I'm yeah. sure they're really going to follow up on that. She wasn't and, arrested, though. As she, as she said, <laughs> Bet, Bet Muse didn't get that. Um, yeah, but Muse don't talk. They just wail and yeah, I'm, dream. I'm, I'm nearly certain Muse did, wouldn't have cursed. So They don't do between song chat at all, do they? No, but Adele, to be fair, I'm, I mean, you know, and, and it's one of the endearing things about her, I suppose. Like, you know, she's a normal girl. She's a bit mad. And talks normally. Poor vocabulary. Yeah, so <laughs> she just, you know, couldn't even get through her opening song, Hello, without pausing to explain, you are fucking amazing. Yeah. So, um, what was it? Thirty-three times during our ninety-minute set, which isn't terrible. It's once where every two point seven minutes. Although considering all of her songs probably don't have curses in them, that's fairly good going. But also, this um, was this, this went out after the watershed, surely. So what's the problem? Oh, well, yes. So what's the problem? Because people are really soft these days, Dave. But like, okay, it's eleven o'clock at night. Adele's on stage. And she Repeats. Says, Maybe the eye player comes into it where kids are watching Adele the next day. Oh, yeah. I, I guess multimedia yeah. world now, Dave. Fair enough, man. But Sorry. in fairness to her, it was the best fucking moment of her whole life. So Brilliant. good for her. Sorry, did anybody see that? I didn't see any of her set at all. No, because I was just know. like, "What's the point?" I was out the back garden, no closed curtains. Apparently, a hundred and fifty thousand people gathered for that set, though. That is unbelievable. I mean, that's that's insane. Yeah, that is absolutely massive. Um, Imagine being at the back of that. It's half a voice. What's the point? I'm seeing nothing. I'm hearing nothing. Yeah. Like the fucking Shangri-La tent with Gemma Carney doing Day of the Dead bollocks is behind me. Did <laughs> yeah. you see that clip? That's one of the clips I saw and I was like, that's it for me. Yeah. God, yeah. what a hateful you. You always seem to catch her. You like turn it on and she's there. Just it's amazing, grinning at you. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, like, Gurning like, her way through the weekend. I, I, you just can't get away from it. And uh, if bad things do come in threes, then the third person who's got in trouble uh, in the last last little while is Kanye West. Oh, and Kanye. Kanye! We can welcome the return of the <laughs> beloved segment. It's Craig on Kanye. Craig on hey. Kanye. We need a jingle, I feel. We do need yeah. a jingle. So, so everyone's probably... Well, actually, maybe everyone hasn't seen this yet because it's on title. Um, but yeah, you, you, you haven't seen it because we all know that you, what you oh, did. I saw it. I've got a... I speak to title. Um, we've got an arrangement. Explain this, but No, I can't. Um, <laughs> he took out another trial. But yeah, so he finally delivered his first video from The Life of Pablo. It was for Famous. Um, and it was just kind of one of these button pushers, really. Naked in a bed, Kanye, Kim, Taylor Swift, Rihanna, Chris Brown, Donald Trump, Bill Cosby, yeah. and a couple of others. And um, yeah, it's a, a comment on fame, according to Kanye. But um, it was quite lifelike. People were kind of, there was you know a lot of breeding going on as everyone lay kind of lifeless or asleep. Um, so the suggestion that some of the people were actually there. Um, overall, just very boring video and one just kind of designed to, you know, raise controversy. And Kanye himself hasn't really got into a huge amount of trouble because he tweeted, you know, someone just sue me at this point. No one has. Lena Dunham, though, took umbrage. Um, with it and said it was somehow related to rape culture which I think is probably off the mark what do you guys think I think it was an enormous stretch but frankly it's exactly what Kanye wanted look I mean this video it's crap like it's really really bad but it is done in such a way that people are going to talk about it it does include the sort of characters when you look at Bill Cosby and Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, the Taylor Swift thing after the f- whole ruckus of the famous song, putting Rihanna and Chris Brown in there. It's just waiting. It's like he's actually just taken a generator, a random generator <laughs> of who's prompted the eight or nine most prominent think pieces in pop culture in the past year, and then literally put them in a bed. 
Um, he's going to end up as Donald Trump's running mate at this stage. <laughs> That's the next step, isn't it? I think um, he's holding off to the following election. I do think <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I think that's true. I think Lena Dunham could be in there just absolutely point. kind of reaching a bit too far here. I can understand where she's coming from. I can understand the point. We obviously live in quite a hotbed at the moment of some genuinely horrible things. Kanye West is lighting that blue touch paper. He wants, as you say, that reaction. And it's interesting because there wasn't really much of a reaction for a few days. Like, And then this cropped up and it was almost like, it was like, yeah, I got one. Like, 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 like his hooks, his bait, it worked. And it's kind of one of those things where you're like, yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of would just rather he focus on music at this stage. Yeah. The most interesting thing was probably the fact that yet again, he had this big show for it where people were charged $30 to actually go to LA's <laughs> forum and watch this four minute clip of not a lot happening. Um, but some of the music beforehand was quite good, actually. A oh, yeah? mix of, yeah, Fought to Stretch My Hands for about an hour. Really good. Well, Adidas seemed to be all about it, no matter what's going on. Yeah, so Yeezys are getting their own stores. It's going to be Kanye or us kind of thing, um, which is exciting for him. Um, I can't stand his fashion, to be honest. <laughs> Some of the stuff he wears is good, but what he's come up with has never really gripped me. Um, he calls Fucking it what terrible, it? man. They all looked homeless was, at that was show. It fitness? Yeah, it was like a kind of, if sh- you know, if Mad Max was set in Chicago. Yeah. That was the kind of look he was now going for. Now you can look like you're homeless and relatively physically fit. Because there's a line of activewear <laughs> joining the, the street and lifestyle range. Yeah, activewear doesn't inspire confidence, does it? Active no. Wear. What the hell is that? Well, yeah. presumably he's just going to get a few basketballers to wear his shoes and it's, you know, going to launch them anyway, so... Well, yeah, you're right, because uh, uh, yeah. a press release for this says that the easy line of activewear will, quote, open up the sports world to Kanye's creativity. Yeah. Just funnel it into need, music, it? please, will you? It's the most significant deal ever between a non-athlete and an athletic brand. This is history in the making, guys. He's Da Vinci. He's (laughs) Picasso. Watches and reads press releases all day, every day. Uh, Yeah, enough of that. Okay. Uh, Final little shout out here to um, our boy Big Thaddeus Culpepper. Oh my God, he's back. back in the news. Yeah, the aforementioned Chris Brown is being sued by Suge Knight. Um, he says that Chris Brown's lack of security uh, led to the shooting uh, in in the nightclub where which Suge is currently being charged for and. He's facing murder charges, in fact. And, uh, yeah, we've discussed his... For a separate incident. Quite yeah. wonderful um, lawyer, Thaddeus Culpepper, well, before. I mean, we have. On, I think it was the first or second episode? I think it was the first or second episode, and we had a list at that point of the funniest names in the yeah. NFL. Yeah, yeah, I think we covered them all. We've kind of gone to the <laughs> other end of the spectrum now. Um, Hang on. Is this, is this, is this like a, a sequel to the, the top 10 names do we have more yeah because I want like I, I want that I, I want a jingle for this one so Alan please sort us out right now it is not the top 10 or even a second top 10 NFL scratch that names. Alan <laughs> it is the top 10 names in American lacrosse now if you're not familiar Ooh. lacrosse is basically Privileged. the other end of the yeah, okay. uh, spectrum. Yeah, it's purely just waspy west coasters and so every is that year, the team? I hope it is. I can take credit for this. Uh, it's actually a, a lacrosse magazine puts together the all-name team. Okay. And so their starting <laughs> ten for this year were Hampton Warboys, brilliant, Braylon Samson, Coy <laughs> Broderick, Sky oh. Dupree, Brickman House Junior, <laughs> Ivy Stucker, Deemer Class. Skyler Dickinson, oh. Colton McCaffrey, and Shackleford Stanwick. <laughs> even better than this, even better than this, and I know this, right? I've been following this list for years, and I can distinctly remember Shackleford Stanwick's older brother, Wellington. 
went <laughs> went to the same university, went played for the same lacrosse team, oh, and made it onto this list four years in a row. So oh, continuing the st- family some tradition, proud parents. Shackleford Stanwick, congratulations! You are the number one for this week. That's amazing. Can I uh, note real quick before we move on that I I managed to invent a new cartoon character the other day. Sure, yeah, please. Let's uh, go for it. Sketch Skellington. Okay. Sketch Skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy about that. It's a great it's a great name. Who knows what might happen with it? Maybe someday it will become some kind of conglomerate. Maybe maybe someday it will become so big that it could, you know, sponsor a podcast, for example. And on that note, Craig. Yes, Dave. And now a word from our sponsor. How good are buns and burgers? You know yourself and ask yeah, what way do you want to be cooked and spogger, you know? I don't know how to explain it, but they were really good. It was uh, cooked perfectly as well. Really nice meat was proper, was really fresh, really nicely made uh, made it to order. The thing is about burgers, like, you know, you can't have it dry like most places, it's like cardboard, like, you know so this nice and juicy it's the way to cook it. It's good, I like it, I like just the simplicity of just, you know standard ingredients. And Bunsen all the Straight up burgers. Really now at three locations in Dublin. Okay, who wants to hear some music? Me, I do. I sure. said who wants to hear some music? I do. I sure. said who wants to hear some music? I've gone off the idea. Let's just get uh, on with it. Yeah. Pick a number. One. All right, this is Rihanna with her song from the Star Trek Beyond soundtrack. It's called Sledgehammer. It's not a Peter Gabriel cover. This is what it sounds like. I hit a wall. I never felt so low. So low. Like a waterfall. My tears dropped to the floor. The floor. They left a swimming pool of salted crimes. Crimes. What could I do to change your mind? Nothing. I'm bracing for the pain and I am letting go. I'm using all my strength to get out of this pool. I hit a wall. I thought that I would hurt myself. I would have been far happier if it was a Peter Gabriel cover. I think we all would. Yeah. Yeah, it's not brilliant. It's um, not brilliant, no. It's for Star Trek Beyond. Can you guess mm-hmm. who co-wrote it? Sia. Ding, 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 ding. Because it sounds like a Sia song. It does. And they, I I feel like they worked on her latest album, which I haven't heard, but apparently is quite interesting, whereas this was a bit kind of generic soundtrack song. Whose album is quite interesting? Sorry, Rihanna's Auntie, yeah, I believe. It's all right. I believe that Sia did one or two tracks, so it's obviously a collaboration they feel is yeah, working. Yeah, it's quite a decent um, record. I mean, this song, I mean, to be fair, you know, again, it's from a film soundtrack. I feel a little bit like when we were discussing Justin Timberlake a month or two ago, where you say, like, is this really reflective of what we can expect them to do at any point in the future when it's tied to a film that is not only, you know, has its own sort of purposes, but also is quite specific in nature and probably has coloured what's actually being written, what's actually being recorded. Yeah, it's a bit of an outlier. Um, it's, you it's know... It's an excuse for a video. Like, she's kind of like... Like, the video is meant to reflect the movie and the aesthetic is kind of similar and it's Rihanna playing dress up and, like, that's fine. Like, it, like it, it, it's just... It's very perfunctory. Um, and she has been doing interesting stuff of late the last couple of years and this is more along the kind of Sam Smith doing Bond lines, which is... Yeah, it know. doesn't feel like it really counts. So, like, it's not exactly going to, like, be any kind of big footnote in her career. It's just uh, a big movie... 
a big tie-in with a big artist, and it works on that level. Uh, neither of you guys went to see her, no, in the Aviva? No. no. We all kind of uh, skipped out on that one. Uh, heard it was a really good show. Drive for Beyonce. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, you're looking forward to that, are you? Hell, yes. By the way, on the subject of that Rihanna gig, the Telegraph, uh, Ed Power, our friend Ed Power uh, for the Telegraph, managed to keep their their first thing going by having his review of that gig up at about half 11 that night. Mm. Very impressive, Ed. Yeah, kind of finished before 10, so. To be fair, you know, it's well written, but like, yeah. come on, stop, take some time, let things breathe. It's just going along the kind of sports journalist route, isn't it, of like writing the, you know, match report as the match is kind of going on. Yeah, you know what you can do. Yeah, you know what, to be fair, yeah, I don't have a huge problem with reviewing a gig. Yeah, a gig is a different story because let's face it, you can't, you don't have an option to rewind and listen to it again and consider things further. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I'm being certainly not if do. Apple get their way. <laughs> <That's very laughs> true. I'm being unfair. Elsewhere in terms of tunes this week, um, there's a new one from Angel Olsen. It's called Shut Up, Kiss Me. That's what it sounds like. So, an American guy who I work with literally used the phrase the Angel Olsen thing the other day. Um, It's becoming a thing in the States. Do you think it could catch on over here? Yeah, I very much think so. I mean, I loved her last record, uh, Burn Your Fire For No Witness. It's very stripped back, her work. Um, It's got a kind of almost primal quality. I've seen comparisons with, like, Kurt Cobain's method of songwriting and just in terms of there's a rawness there, but it always comes back to this kind of pop sensibility of, I know Kurt Cobain talked about melding the Beatles with Black Sabbath. and There's a touch of that with her uh, in terms of just kind of gritty but still very catchy. This is a bigger sound now, uh, Shut Up, Kiss Me. So it seems like she's ready to kind of step up a level or two. Um, fantastic voice, great song. She just seems to have all the kind of qualities to be a big star. We had that Danny Brown song on here a couple of weeks ago, uh, When It Rain. This kind of reminds me of that in that regard, and as much as it's very off the wall, 
and very hard to pin down. It's chaotic and it instantly kind of hits you. I, I think this is great. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, yeah, I quite liked it, I must say. I think I I don't know, especially watching the video while listening to the tune, it, it's as though there's a an edginess to her as a person that doesn't always necessarily come across in her vocals and in her lyrics. Like you say, she's a good voice. Whether she has that level of, uh, is it aggression that I'm looking for? Is it snark? I'm not sure. That sort of thing that you listen to Courtney Barnet and just go, yeah, I can, I can, I can hear the Roy smile through the microphone. Yeah. Maybe she was Australian. That helped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I want. Yeah, Angel Olsen, be Australian. Yeah. Are you saying that you don't buy it? Oh, no, listen. I'm absolutely down with it. I think it's really good. I think you're more saying she should do a kind of fodder John Misty and put more of herself into it. Precisely, anything, yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. I, I think that, yeah. And, and if it had that sort of air that we were being let in on, on the whole thing, so to speak, you know, whether it's a joke or whether it's not, I think it would be that little bit more powerful. Um, one that I must admit I have not had time this week to fully sink my teeth into is Blood Orange. Uh, the new album was kind of suddenly released. Yeah. Uh, this week. Supposed to be out Friday, dropped a few days early. There's a lot of reviews up already. Um, <laughs> of very, course there is. Very strong ones. Um, and this is obviously Blood Orange is Dev Hines. We have a listen and we have a chat. This is Augustine. Yeah, so Blood Orange back um, with Augustine. 
um, three years on from Cupid Deluxe's release, which had a lot of fans. Um, they've got a kind of 80s sound. That synth thing is just runs through everything he does. And he's obviously written for like Sky Ferreira, um, Solange in the past. This is him doing his own thing. And it's 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 quite strong. I mean, it seems like he's put a bit more kind of, I don't know, feeling and a bit more personal of its personal touches. We were just talking about in the last song into this record overall. I mean, Augustine in particular is kind of talking about the immigrant experience. And uh, he, you know, mentions, just mentioned made to his um, father's home place of Sierra Leone. There's talk about Trayvon Martin and kind of the African experience um, in this quite melancholic 80s, you know, catchy pop song. Um, and that run, that those themes kind of run throughout the record. And it's very good. What do you guys think? Yeah, I really like the single. I've only listened to bits of the album. Like I say, kind of snuck up on me. And to be yeah. perfectly honest, and I don't know if I'm the only person in the world who's this happened to. I haven't fully reconfigured my brain for Blood Orange to flash Dev Hines at me. I think there's still part of me that's expecting Lightspeed Champion to appear from somewhere. There's a part of me that's still expecting Test Icicles. Test Icicles to reform. Yeah, God exactly. Almighty. It's hard to keep up sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great song. I'm really looking forward to, to getting into the album more. He's a serious talent. And um, yeah, this, this is a, a decent calling card as well. Uh, this is one orange that I've yet to fully peel the layers of. However, oh. I quite enjoy this song. <laughs> and I'm not too familiar with Blue Orange, but uh, this is very enjoyable. Hopefully the album will be more of the same. And it'll be a little bit juicy. Mm. If you know right, what I mean. I'm just going to move on straight <laughs> away. Uh, Ed Harcourt, World on Fire, here it is. There's an empty playground We just had to take one for the team there, folks. Uh, Ed Harcourt, yeah. This, you know what? I started listening to this and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) 
this is going to be so grim. Yeah. And by the end of the song, it won't be over. Set me good. too. Yeah. Um, me too. Ed Harcourt. Yeah. Ed Harcourt, I have no experience of. Um, I was expecting something dreadful, to be honest. But no, um, a good song. And sorry, Dave. Go ahead. No, it's cool. Uh, he's got a he's got a, he's got a really good song <laughs> called. Uh, I, I picked this one. That's why Craig is deferring to me. Uh, he's got a really good song called "In My Time of Dust." And I was kind of like, okay, it's called The World is on Fire. You know, yeah, it sure is. This is going to be grim and probably protesty. And as Cullum says, it kind of starts off and you're like, well, this is modeling. And then, but once it gets to that chorus, man, I'm, I, it just got me. I was like, this is really elegant. This is really well put together. The chorus is instantly memorable, very catchy. I, 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 I and also, um, with that opening music, not to sell it too short, and uh, this is very high praise coming from me in particular. I'm reminded a little bit of Nick Cave and Warren Ellis's soundtrack work on, like, you know, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Carrot Robert Ford yeah. and, like, Far From Men and other stuff that they've done before. Like, I'm not saying it's quite at that level because that, to me, is as good as a musical soundtrack can get. Mm. But it's very sparse while also kind of managing to kind of have a real kind of containment about it. And yeah, I think part part of the way that's managed actually is the very way that it turned me off at the very start is by having a kind of like a one minute long sort of single note synth intro. Yeah. Which just lulls you into kind of a false sense of security so that even stepping things up a little bit suddenly sounds fucking lush, you know? Well, it kind of reminded me of, you know, we had PJ Harvey's album earlier on in the year and it's a very much a protest record. This had, this kind of treaded some of this same ground, but it was just so much better. I think we yeah. felt that was a bit yeah. flat and a bit much. This had a kind of, I don't know, uh, it just wasn't a drag to listen to him. That chorus. Of, yeah. And yeah. that chorus is absolutely beautiful. And as we say, yeah, uh, nowhere near as bad as we were expecting. Can't be said for everything. It can't be said for everything, no. <laughs> and another song that I brought to the table that the lads are just not happy about this week. Taking Back Sunday. Taking Back Sunday. They can Sunday. have it. They, 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 <laughs> very good. Um, I, I got I to gotta admit, I, I, went, I had a bit of a grow for this band when I, in, my, in my younger days. Uh, <laughs> Hates the Beatles, so. I, I was a big... I, uh, there was a two-year period or so where I was a big Taking Back Sunday guy. And uh, I, I, I won't... I won't apologise for it. They had a lot of belters. Make Damn Sure. That's a hell of a song. Uh, incidentally, by the way, we must do top ten worst email lyrics of all time at some point, And they will win because they have some fucking belters. This! I was like, oh, Taking Back Sunday are still going. I saw this pop up on Twitter. And the song is called Tidal Wave. It doesn't sound like what they used to sound like at all. It sounds like they have found a lot of Ramones and Gaslight Anthem records. It's appalling. It's terrible. I'm sorry. It sounds like this, and once it stops playing, I promise you we'll have something nice for you straight after it, okay? And that's all I'll say. This is Taking Back Sunday and Tidal Wave. The reason we're playing this new song is because it's just that day.
We're joined in the studio by uh, two faces that we actually see every single week because, you know, there happens to be a copy of their Christmas single from a couple of years ago. It's on the table in front of us right now. We've just presented it to them. It's Week of Corners, everybody. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> it was a big presentation. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, How are you guys? Yeah, really good. Really good. Uh, looking forward to the summer now. And uh, yeah, good. We just released a single last Friday. Friday. And uh, so that's exciting for us. We haven't released anything in like two years and we hadn't played a show in about uh, since Electric Picnic last September. Wow. So. Okay. So we played a show last Friday uh, to coincide with the single coming out, and it was fun. Yeah, now, it was great. we should say that, yeah, I mean, a lot of bands will say, you know, oh, we really look forward to the summer. You guys have a very legitimate reason for that. Yeah, today is Summer Holidays Day. Oh, wow. Another round of applause. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you I so much. I miss that feeling so much. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I must say, to, to have the achievements that you've had while still in primary school is really quite something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, obviously, yeah, you're both teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked to Pitch Falcon here like two weeks ago about trying to juggle, you know, real world responsibilities with rock and roll dreams. Is that still very much a thing for you guys, trying that juggling act, or are you kind of into a rhythm of it now? I think we've mm. perfected the juggling <clears throat> insofar as we can. Um, we're probably lucky in that teaching really lends itself to to having sort of a side career or to pursue something, you know, in an intense way. Uh, and just to have the summer off means that you can plan, like we recorded our forthcoming album in a summer and it just gave us a massive block of time that we could devote to, yeah, to sure. that process. But um, I'd say, yeah, I, I think loads of bands as well. I think most bands now have full-time jobs, don't they? Like, oh, I mean, I, I think people, make, people talk to us about the fact that we're teachers a lot, but I think most bands probably have full-time jobs yeah. now. Mm. And it just becomes, you don't even juggle, it's not a juggling anymore, it's just you're just doing the you're just doing the, th- the, the two things. Like, na- it becomes yeah. kind of natural. And John and I have been doing... Have, we were we started playing music together when we started working at the same time, so we've we've never known anything else. Like yeah. so, um, it's just part of part of the. Way I think people do. are probably fascinated by the fact that you're teachers because you know when you're in primary school, when your teacher pulls out the guitar, I was going to say oh, I had one that used to do it. Fucking cringy, bit of Michael like Brent, Shore, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you feel that yourself though? I mean, you well, when you pull out the drum kit, and you're <laughs> just, no, I, I pull out, when I pull out the guitar in class, I mean, there's definitely a sense of you know this is mildly cringy because Hip teacher kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, kids, that's jam. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then again, you just have to park any sense of ego at the door because it's like a performance kind of career. Sure. Uh, and you're inhabiting a character. If that doesn't make it sound wildly pretentious but you kind of are yeah (laughs) Uh, and I do remember once I was showing off to the kids that I could play Street Spirit behind my head (laughs) you know which is just while the guitar was on fire like that is wildly (laughs) health and safety you know (laughs) I just wanted them to to go wow and another teacher came in the door at the moment that I had a guitar parked on my shoulders (laughs) and it was just like you need to stop doing it. You need to stop getting your affirmation from... Yeah. Were, were, were they going for it, though? Going wild, I mean, tough crowd? Yeah, they thought it was cool. They're not familiar with Radiohead's oove. So, uh, you not uh, managed to insert that on the syllabus yet? Not yet. Are you a big Radiohead fan? Like Huge Radiohead What's fans. your take on the new record? It's great. Super. Yeah. We, 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 we bonded over our first... That was how we got together, first of all. It was... Our, it, it was our, back in college... I remember walking into the canteen late one evening and John 
I John was over with a group of like people playing high and dry, and it was like okay, I must chat to that fella because <laughs> clearly there wasn't a huge amount of other like real like people that were into that kind of music where we went to college, and then the first time we chatted, I remember John saying, "What if you were to pick up a guitar?" What, what and play a tune which song would it be which is obviously a very loaded question like he's really sussing he's he's getting yeah. to the core of it with that but I was able to say Paranoid Andrew by Radiohead so I think we're yeah that, it was from then on was, there we go that was mm. it that's quite yeah. the choice as well Paranoid Android that's that's ambitious I like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. I spent like about two summers trying to learn it and then that play, that's all I played for like yeah ages. of course I, know it, I have to ask it out. when you were playing high and dry that time was the guitar behind your head again was it like no it was firmly on my lap I hadn't I hadn't become the ego monster that I <laughs> have since become now you mentioned obviously the album uh, ready for release in October uh, November November yeah it probably is ready for October but we're going to wait till well, November <laughs> we're going to wait till I mean, November indeed you mentioned yeah you kind of made it in the space of last summer mm, mm, and then kind of have been working there was like it was quite a uh, the way we've recorded actually records kind of until now has been they've been all quite protracted like they start in quite with quite an intense short period of initial recording but then we end up kind of arranging and mixing and adding and overdubbing over almost a year and then so it, they they tend to take that long almost for us and this one was was no different but it is ready now which is great yeah. is that a kind of a nice feeling though knowing that you know more than likely you are going to have all of that time to do all that sort of extra work does it mean you can kind of just cut a little loose during the session during the initial recording and know that you're going to have a lot of time to polish it up and make those little tweaks along the way yeah i think that was yeah i think so i think that i think i mean you know maybe maybe in the future we'll 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 try and and nail a record in two weeks because you know and see how that goes but just for the to for the sake of trying something you know, different, but definitely for the first, and definitely particularly for this last one that we just did, we knew that we had time. We were, we, that we'd have time after the initial recording session. We only had nine days. We recorded it in a church. So we were, we brought in a whole studio rig, you know, and um, that took quite a lot of setup or whatever. It took a couple of days to set it up. Um, so we knew we only had this nine day window, but then we knew, as you said, like that we had that bit of time. So we weren't under, we weren't panicking, uh, you know, in what during the recording sessions, really. Yeah, we just sure. knew we needed to get the basic stuff down and then we had to play with them after that. I know you didn't just bring the rig into the church either. Uh, a couple of friends too, uh, Connor O'Brien amongst them. Yeah, we didn't bring Connor into the church because... It's not allowed. <laughs> um, no, there, we, was, there was the incident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we basically had the record tracked and then we decided... We had always wanted to put bass on this album as it was a uh, range of frequency that we hadn't played with before. Uh, and so we we were discussing who we would ask to play bass and we were giving it like, you know... Real thought and listening to records by bands that we knew and and Con- uh, Connell had been listening to Becoming a Jackal and uh, possibly a Wayland as well and it was just like Connor O'Brien's bass lines are you know the most incredible thing I've ever heard and his arrangements are so dense that sometimes they don't become you know apparent very quickly. So uh, Connell texted Connor and he was in the middle of the the most recent records release cycle. Mm, just We just kind of like 
texted a real lengthy, you know, excuse, you know, really sorry to disturb you, Connor. And we know you're really, really busy, but da 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 da. Any chance you'd you'd record bass on our new record? And he literally just texted back, "Fuck yeah!" Nice, that's <laughs> what you want to hear. Which is great. It's definitely yeah. what you want to hear. And uh, yeah, indeed. While we're talking about the record this whole time, uh, let's actually get a listen to the most recent single. That's uh, on avoiding people, and uh, I think it's kind of one of those things where it's interesting, like to kind of like come into this third record and be like, "Yeah, I was like, they've completely perfected this. Like, you have the ability to kind of make these songs, which are so kind of you know buoyant and up tempo, and they move so quickly, and they're usually quite short. But you know, on the subject matter, it, it's always kind of about like you know insecurities and about kind of like you know like just kind of getting past those things, and also some very kind of frank admissions here and there. But they're always dressed up in these kind of really kind of almost thumping kind of songs and I'm like wow I was like, I was like, I guess this is their signature like I mean is that kind of something that you kind of realise at one point you were like oh well I guess we can put this together um, that, 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 I may have completely rambled there and Mm-mm. messed it up but uh, or pulled the curtain back a bit too much but like, that, that, that's what I get from it anyway yeah love the song by the way <laughs> <laughs> should point out like we yeah, it's definitely like it we, you haven't, see, you haven't heard the rest of the record. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess a lot yeah, of tunes let's are. start there. I mean, <laughs> is that representative of the album at all? It doesn't look like it from your face. <laughs> no, it, it's representative of the way, like, you know, it's definitely, like, all, you know, all the tracks are, are will be recognisably weak or cornish tracks. And but the lyrics are kind of heavily inspired by ACDC. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're going <laughs> They're just, we definitely tried with this record, like, avoiding people, was, unavoiding people was, like, um, Definitely more similar, maybe, to the first two records, uh, and there's other tunes like that on the record. But we definitely wanted to to to, to try and um, sort of have a mixture of songs that maybe were were uh, allowed breathe a little bit more. We we kind of feel on the first two records, even though we we we're, we're very proud of 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 them. Um, we we kind of feel that they're they're so frantic that almost you can't catch your breath, and. I mean, just we ju- we just wanted to try something different, and we just wanted to try and write some songs which, which were allowed to breathe a little bit more. Where we were, get, where we we left space, where we were able to do some interesting stuff in in terms of arrangements. Because when they're so frantic, maybe like on avoiding people, you're kind of just all the space is filled by the the, the stop start nature and the the dynamic between the drums and guitars and the two vocals and stuff. So so there's a mix definitely on the, on this record. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hearing twelve minute song here. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. I think we made it to five minutes mm. on one of the tracks, which was like a huge thing for us because obviously we 
write the songs uh, with a view to performing them live. So it's always been, you know, we have to deliver this in a way. You know, we can't have grooves. We can't have sections where the music just relaxes, which has negative implications when you're playing shows because the audience is kind of overly stimulated. This sounds very highbrow and like that. We've thought about it an awful lot, but... um, but basically, we wanted to have sort of grooves and passages that developed in a more sort of patient way. Um, so to all of our songs have been two and a half minutes long. So to reach the five minute barrier was like uh, monumental for us. The Roger <laughs> Bannister moment. Yeah, for Rico exactly. I couldn't well, think of his name. Albeit in reverse. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah is, is, is experience and just kind of confidence you build over time? key to that that you actually realise hey you know what we can actually take the foot off the pedal every now and then and let songs breathe a little bit more yeah, like you say I guess it's as much that as it is just actually trying to do just for interest's sake trying to challenge ourselves to do something different you sure. know um, and that was definitely that was definitely a part of it we had we had recorded two albums of very short very fast songs both albums clock in around 27 minutes yep. so we were like right we just want to try and mix it up a little bit and try and challenge ourselves to put together an album that that was a little bit more patient in the way um, some of the songs develop and build. It is interesting because most bands struggle to kind of pare down their songs from these longer jams into these finely formed things, but you're going the opposite way, which just seems (laughs) totally counterintuitive, really. No idea how it'll go. It could be a terrible (laughs) idea. They're just just too efficient. (laughs) They are, yeah. (laughs) Like you say, you're you're building up towards playing them live, though. So, I mean, yeah, is is the countdown really on to, to when you can kick off? I mean, your first gig, was that at the Interlude Festival? Yeah. Um. That was obviously the start of your summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us an awful lot about what's coming up? Uh, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, I have to admit, I, I'm getting into a rhythm of doing this right now. I interviewed DJ Cormac live on stage at Forbidden Fruit and basically bullied him into announcing various festivals yeah. as, his, as his manager waved at him <laughs> frantically from the side. How did you bully him? Just kind of emotionally or were you poking him with a no, stick? No, no, no. Not even emotionally. I was just kind of just going like, Abba, tell us now. As yeah. loads of people in the audience said, yeah. Pressure. It's a bit like when Toberty tried to make that woman had a baby on the Late Late Toy Show. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> she wasn't even that far gone. Like, nah, no, she was. That was, was disturbing, disturbing. Have you seen that? That was no. disturbing no. TV. It's, Colin, tell, it, tell it's one of the most incredible moments of television ever. That Ryan Toberty is, you know, kind of working the crowd, as it were. It's the toy show? Was yeah, it? it's at the toy show. And he meets this woman who's like eight months pregnant, eight and a half months pregnant. And, you know, says, when are you due? And she says, like, no, you know, 2nd of January, whatever it is. And Toby's like, oh, but we want you to have it now. Have it oh now. And leads God. the crowd in a chant of have it now as he jumps up and down holding the woman's hand. Yeah. Inducing. It was really, oh really, God. really disturbing. He'd gone into that manic mode he always does on the toy show oh, yeah. where everything just becomes a chant. And I don't think he realised what he was saying just as he <laughs> went with it. And she did not give birth yeah. there and then, thankfully. But. Thankfully. But that's the treatment Cormac got anyway. We'll restrained from doing it from you but <laughs> but I take it that we can look forward to uh, some announcements in the next little while um, yeah, like we have a couple of bits but to be honest it's more yeah we're we're looking towards around the release of the album in November and okay. like a, a, a tour around those dates really because we haven't as I said I mean we this is the first bit of music we've released in over two years and when you haven't played in that long as well you know you're kind of 
once the record comes out, that's what you're kind of aiming towards and aiming to build a tour around that. And after that, then things will start falling into place. Are you the sort of guys as well that would get kind of itchy feet if you're continually touring the same material that you feel you need to have something fresh well, before we did, you really get into it? We did two picnics back to back without having released anything apart from Stop the Cavalry, which we couldn't play at the Electric Picnic for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, but and, and I would not have complained just for the record. <laughs> Love Christmas music <laughs> anytime. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but certainly last year while we had a great time at the picnic, it it did feel like you know to legitimise ourselves. You kind of have to have fresh music for people to be to be excited and for you to sort of convey your excitement as well. So sure. yeah. The dead horse shall not be flogged. <laughs> this is a. I, I'm just in awe of Cullum's relentless commitment to journalism here. Like he will get his answers. <laughs> like, there's nothing you can do. I want my scoops. You want your scoops. But uh, actually, just go back to Radiohead for a second. I'm, I'm curious. Like, have you been listening? Do you listen to much music when you're in an album cycle? Like, I mean, like, are you okay? Will this be a thing where it's like, oh no, it's better to just shut off and just come up with our own stuff? Is it kind of too easy to be influenced by the ones that would influence you normally? I think you just listen to music all the time. Anyway, you definitely don't shut yourself off after each day in the studio or or make or the studio that we put together or whatever in the church. We'd be listening to albums that night and talking about them the next day. And yeah, yeah. I, well, certainly, I don't think we've ever gone. We're going to go into hibernation mode and not listen to any any other. I music. think the most yeah. sensible solutions that I ever heard was a guy who put himself basically on a musical diet. Where before going into studio and he'd kind of you know had songs half fleshed out and said, well. I'm going to pick 10 albums that probably won't have an undue amount of influence while I'm in there. And those are the 10 albums I'm going to have on rotation for wow. the next three months. That's yeah, but you never long know long what's long. going to creep in, though. That's oh, the thing. absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's like Chris Martin thinking. He was, like, surfing one time and he thought he came up with, like, his best pop song. And then he realised it was Spinal Tap's Lick My Love Pump. Like, a day later, it's like, shit. <laughs> so, you know, that can happen. I thought you were going to say that Chris Martin decided to have no material around him apart from a Dulux weather chart. <laughs> oh, it's Coldplay's new visuals. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Coldplay, they get such a kicking. I know they do, don't they? What they did at Glastonbury was incredible. I was watching their set thinking, ah, you know, Coldplay headlining, it's a weird time for music that a band who have crossed into the Rihanna collaborator Mm -hmm. from being like a straight-up indie band, uh, you know, are the closing act in Glastonbury. And then they performed that tribute to... Viola Beach. Mm -hmm. And it was just like... What a beautiful thing to do. Mm. What a generous gesture. Mm. I mean, whatever about bringing out like a BG, which inflates your own stock as well as celebrating that person's yeah. music. But that was just, just incredible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We were bigging it up earlier and yeah, challenge, it's, challenging it's, to fight anybody that's cynical enough to say that. Yeah. 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 I, I thought it was lovely. Even me, even a cynic like me, was yeah. like, they won you over. Yeah. Uh, Win anyone when over. Dave's heart is melted. That that's is when you know. <laughs> on the on the subject of festivals, though, like have you guys have you been to Glastonbury or like do you, do you go to festivals and just rough it? Like, like or even when you're there at them, do you kind of hang out? Because I like I've recently retired from festivals. I'm oh just wow! Like, yeah, we all got the memo. I've yeah. had uh, <laughs> I've had I've had enough. Like they they're great things, but like I've been to seventeen of them, and I'm like I need to take a break now. So, okay. Yeah, it's just like I, I can't do it, lads. It's, it's a young man's game. I can't do it. <laughs> well, it's my, over. Well, we haven't been to Glastonbury, but we do. We like we we definitely like going to festivals and checking as much music as we can. But if we can avoid it in any way, we'll avoid camping. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Just for a probably similar, the camping's a young man's game, isn't it? So it really, we're just really is. uh, no. But we we do. We 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 love checking. Like when we're playing, we would 
go out of our way to see as many different acts as we possibly can. I mean, they're just great fun and great ways of seeing as, mu- as much music as you can get in, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we, we haven't retired from that game like yourself, gonna, Dave, I'm, just I'm, yet. I'm not going to force that, anybody. You started a movement. He's not proselytizing here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so, What a word. In terms of actually, well, you're going to be working on, actually just on mention of kind of Coldplay and their colour schemes and stuff like that, do you guys... Like to spray paint yourselves neon? No, (laughs) I was going to say though, do you like to kind of get your hands dirty when it comes to doing videos and all the other stuff that kind of goes around a release? Yeah, it's pretty much uh, because we give ourselves so much time to make the records. I think I, uh, for the past two, we've written the songs uh, for the next record in conjunction with the release, and then given ourselves sort of two years to to you know record the album and and we've always worked very closely uh, with our collaborators on all the design aspects and this record is no different I'm sure down the line we might just hand over the reins but there is definitely an element of control freakery between us uh, when it comes to to the details so we're actually just working on the on the vinyl uh, the 12 inch for this forthcoming record and it is it's pretty painstaking in terms of even, you know, what photos we're going to use, our liner notes. Uh, but it's a really exciting thing because we're not visually arty ourselves. But to be given the, like, essentially, you're given the power to curate this product uh, and then just calling in really talented collaborators and friends to help us out with them. Uh, so, yeah, it's fun for us. It's like you're not, it's not your field of expertise, but you get to still work towards the creation of something. Just while we're discussing hard work on liner notes, it should be noted that the No Encore podcast has not been thanked on any release or album thus far. <laughs> wow. And would well. love to in the future. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just drop that. Shameless. In this, man, shameless. this man does not represent us. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know. Um, well, you know, we'll breeze past that. But, uh, you know, something to think about. Something to think about. That's all I'm saying. Um, interesting enough, like, um, I was reading uh, Tom Veck wrote an open letter to Trent Reznor this week. He was basically talking about how, like, he was very disappointed by Trent Reznor's uh, performance so far as Apple Music's kind of head of creativity or whatever his official title is. And he was kind of saying that, like, basically, a, number one, he was disappointed that Trent Reznor is endorsing vinyl so much because he thinks it's a dead format, or at least it shouldn't be, you know, with all the things we can do with digital music now, why are we looking at vinyl? And he was also complaining about how Apple's interface apparently actually, uh, and forgive me for this, guys, cuts the corners off the artwork. <laughs> they, like, they present them in like kind of a circular thing. Mm. So therefore, like, his point was, number one, uh, Ah, vinyl is dead, or at least it's not as big a commodity as it should be. Uh, obviously, you don't feel the same way, I'd imagine, seeing as you just spoke mm-hmm. to it there. Mm-hmm. But two, they were saying, like, when someone does put in that kind of level of love with the package, and, like, you know, with liner notes and with the artwork itself, and then when it gets uploaded to a digital format, things like that can go wrong. So is that something you ever kind of take into account? Because I think, I think some bands, I mean, like, no one ever necessarily admit to it, but I, th- I think some people would be like, well, look, you know, it's not the same. Like, you know, people don't go out and buy physical things as much anymore. But I think the vinyl thing at least from Tom and Beck's point of view, I think is a bit of a misnomer. I, I think I read this year that Terror have had their busiest year or something in, in recent times. Yeah, vinyl sales are way up. Yeah. yeah. So um, if anything, vinyl's kind of saving the physical format. It's, it's CDs that have kind of become redundant and defunct. Um, I don't know what you guys think. We, so, we, we, I don't think we make decisions like we don't really worry about 
how it, you know the effect that putting it online will have or putting it on Apple Music we we kind of just make the decision based on what do we like and we like records on vinyl and we like physical product ourselves so everything we do we want to have a physical representation of that in that form just because just from a purely selfish point of view yeah. i mean the 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 online thing is just so unexciting for as for an artist as you know when releasing it's just like it's something that you have to do and it's something that you put up there but it's not something that excites you and go great I can't wait till it's up on Spotify like or I can't wait till it's up on Apple Music but but actually getting a vinyl record is something you get very excited about you say I can't wait to get this in our hand in our hands I can't wait to see what it look like I can't wait to see what the artwork will look like so for us, the vinyl thing is just purely from a selfish point of view. We love it as a format ourselves. So then we think there are other people out there who probably will too. So that's that's what motivates us to kind of to kind of do it. The Apple Music thing, I don't know. Ah. Certainly, I mean, there are aspects. You know, we have so little control over, say, our Spotify uh, profile. So our current image is this one from Stop the Cavalry Pack Shot which is Connell wearing a Cossack uh, and me wearing a really ill-fitting Santa hat. Uh, so that is our... I mean, when you go to Spotify and look up Weco Corners, it's like, who are these idiots? You know? It is quite an iconic look at this stage. <laughs> <though, guys. Thank laughs> Not for everyone around the world who's written them off as like seasonal specialists. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, that is mildly annoying, but I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe an open letter to to the leaders of Spotify would write that wrong. Or yeah. write it out until November when your new album arrives there. And Perfect. <laughs> it all fits in nicely. <laughs> I must say, uh, we'd look forward to the release of the album and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you around that time. Yeah. Um, especially when you've got gigs coming up and all the rest of it. Better amend those liner notes. <laughs> <laughs> but until then... They're already done. My heart, my heart just sank there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Next album. The really title, no encore. I thought I didn't represent you, Dave. Well, you don't know. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, guys. Thanks a million for joining us. It's, uh, it's Week of Corners. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you. Now it's time for our album of the week. It's DJ Shadow. It's his fifth record, The Mountain Will Fall. Here's a little sample and we'll discuss it in a sec. Picture this, I'm a bag of dicks, put me to your lips, I am sick. I will punch a baby bear in his shit. Give me lip, I'ma send you to the yard, get a stick, make a switch. I can end the conversation real quick. I am crack, I ain't lying, kick a lion in this crack. I'm the shit, I will fall off in your crib, take a shit. Hit your mama on the booty, kick your dog, fuck your bitch. That boy dressed up like you sound on and took pictures with your kids. We the best, we will cut a frowning face in your chest, little wench. I'ma mention a refresh, I'm a man. Yeah, correct. I will walk into a court while they wreck, screaming, yes, I am guilty, motherfuckers, I am death. Hey, you want to hear a good joke? Nobody speak, nobody get choked.
fuck out of here. That was Nobody Speak, um, Run The Jewels there with DJ Shadow. Um, guys, what you make of the record overall? Decent. I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, I thought that some of the guest appearances were the high point. Run The Jewels and Schoolboy Q lifted proceedings for me in a way that a lot of the rest of the album failed to do. Yeah. It's not to say that it's bad. And as you'd expect, I mean, it's technically fantastic. It's, for the most part, pretty intelligently put together. But for me, it really falls apart at times. It just gets annoying. But the main thing is that, yeah, in terms of genuinely inspiring moments, fell a little bit short. Well, the Run the Jewels section for me is the most immediate and inspiring moment on the record. I think that's a fantastic song. Uh, The more I hear it, the more I enjoy it. I'd listen to Run the Jewels, you know, read the phone book, and I'm sure they'd make it sound good. Uh, this record has a little bit of a kind of glamour about it, in as much as, on a set of good headphones, this is one of my most favourite listens of the year, because it just sounds absolutely sublime. It sounds like someone's pouring fucking gold into my ears. It's, it's <laughs> That sounds like a horrible experience. Well, you know, it didn't, 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 <laughs> Molten go, gold. didn't go so well for Viserys on Game of Thrones, did it? But, uh, but basically... Uh, as a record, I think, you know, if you start to break it down song by song and kind of what's really going on on them, it falls apart, as Cullum says, not to any kind of horrific degree for me, but, like, I think it's one of those things where the more I listen to this on headphones, the more I'm like, oh, my God, his aesthetic here, the production, the presentation, the mixing, it's so beautiful to listen to. It's so nice. And you do get a little bit detracted from the fact that it's actually very, very repetitive in a lot of places. Some of the tracks are just fairly... He can't let them breathe. There's so much tinkering going on here. Yeah. And I think it's a bit too long. By the time you kind of get to the end, you're kind of like, oh, there's four tracks left, really? But what works really, really works. The first two tracks in particular blow me away. The last two tracks blow me away. Yeah. There's stuff kind of here and there in the middle where I'm like, ah, come on, man, you've already done this and you're just doing it again. You're just, you're literally just pushing buttons here, mate. I mean, you know, we probably should say, and every review will mention it, obviously we're 20 years on from introducing his debut, which was just a real game changer in terms of instrumental hip-hop, hip-hop as a whole, and like sampling culture. It was just one of those records, along with maybe the Beasties, Paul's Boutique, that was just the first that did it, and did it so kind of comprehensively and just blew everyone's minds. Um, With his last record, which is five years ago now, he said he was kind of drawing the curtain on that sampling style of thing. So he's now moved completely over to just working with Ableton Live and just that kind of end of things. A lot of original stuff, not so many samples, um, by no means as many samples. So it's kind of new territory for him. Um, And it does, Dave, I agree, sounds immaculate. I mean, he's got a real deft touch. Um, He's got a great ear for what sounds amazing. But then there are times where it's almost like his virtuosity gets the better of him. And there's a few left turns where you think, okay, you've just kind of taken me out of that song. Uh, Whether it's a a drum loop or it's a kind of rhythmic shift. Um, Tree Ralphs is the third track. We've had those two kind of great, the opening uh, title track is a great kind of momentous thing that kind of befits this album title, The Mountain Will Fall. Then we've run the jewels and then suddenly we're into this quite odd thing that just kind of, it's almost, it it, it is, it's supposed to be discordant, but it doesn't, it just 
jars and takes you out of it. And those moments kind of crop up throughout. And then the flip side is there's these kind of passages where it's him just tinkering around and it sounds lovely, but it's not really doing anything for you. Yeah, um, like like I say, I mean, someone like Run the Jewels, like you say, you know, you could listen and read the phone book. For me as well, though, they the number one word that jumps to mind with those guys is immediacy. Yeah. And that's something that this album, for me, was really lacking. I can absolutely understand why it would sound amazing in headphones. And I can also absolutely understand why, if it was kind of, say, dropped halfway through some set at a club or a festival where you were going ballistic, a lot of these tracks could very easily fit in there and people would lose their shit. (laughs) But does it have enough that you'd actually go back to it and put it on the next day when you were in your car? I don't think so. It does sound, you said something there actually, it does sound like a DJ set. It almost sounds like... It's been engineered to be like that almost. Yeah, it has. And to be honest, part of me feels as though, and I mean, you mentioned introducing, it, it was a pioneering album. And this sounds like an album of a guy who, frankly, has just been caught by the chasing pack. Yeah, very much so. And as I said, he's, he's made the move to a slightly different discipline for him. There's a lot of sounds here. There's a, a number of songs that just sound quite dated as well, don't they? They all sound like they're soundtracking like Wipeout from 1996 or something. <laughs> yeah, that's no bad thing. It's no bad. Well, it's a, a good thing in like 2016. I don't know. Has it been done before? It probably has. So maybe he's just kind of, he's been searching around for a while to kind of see where he'd go. There was a record of nearly all guitar, you know, guitar-y kind of songs. It was just horrible. Then he jumped on a kind of hyphy bandwagon for a bit, which was horrible. Um, so this is very much a return to form. Um, but well, he's, still, not, he's, not, he's not the kind of pioneering guy he once was. And that, that happens to most do you think artists. He's do you think he's not challenging I himself? I don't think he's settled, no, because he clearly is going outside his comfort zone. He's, he's moving away from the sampling, but I don't know if he's quite found another zone that he can dominate. It's interesting like I say, because... I think, I think the world is kind of... The, I mean, the world of music rather than the wider world. But the world of music has just moved in such a way yeah. that, you know, even moving outside of his comfort zone is no longer pushing the envelope in the greatest scheme of things. Well, it's like Run the Jewels show up here for one song and like, you know, it might as well be a Run the Jewels song because it's all about them. Granted, oh, yeah. like what he's doing musically is is great and it compliments them perfectly, but they steal the show yeah, and, to the and point that, where it's distracting. Yeah, and but Run the Jewels steal the show to the point that, as we experienced, for instance, at Forbidden Fruit last year, you can have a guy who's at the top of his game like Earl Sweatshirt guys who were, you know, bona fide hip-hop pioneers like Wu-Tang Clan. You can have a young sort of pretender like Joey Badass. But because Run the Jewels just have this thing that is that little bit outside the box, it doesn't matter how well you do the things that have already been done. The guy who's leading the pack and going somewhere new is going to stand out. As a matter of fact... um, DJ Shadow's not leading a pack anymore, and so there's nothing to stand it out. I would say that LP's solo record, Cancer for Cure, which came out, I think, in 2011 or 2012, is a better DJ Shadow record than DJ Shadow has done in quite a long time. And he works with a lot of the same aesthetics, and he kind of has a lot of the same kind of things to say, so to speak. And it's much more engaging. Uh, DJ Shadow, it surprises me, because DJ Shadow strikes me as a very, very focused person. Um, I remember working for Hot Press in the first electric picnic that I worked in 2011, uh, Craig and I, we were there. It was a particularly stressful weekend. One of the few good jobs that we uh, ended up doing was uh, the old Phantom bus was there, and myself and Selena Murphy, who was with the magazine, she was interviewing DJ Shadow, and I was filming it on an iPad. I mean, like, we was in that bus with the guy for 20 minutes, like, pretty much right up, up to him putting a fucking iPad in his face. And he's a focused, yeah, quiet, in a stoical kind of way, 
methodical dude. Like I don't think he blinked once. I mean, like like, and he's not standoffish per se, mm-hmm. but he's not someone who's going to crack a joke either. He's, That's, he's yeah. very focused, and you expect his music to be as focused as that, and yet it's a little bit kind of. Well, in fairness, you know, I was going to say that. I mean, you know, having run the jewels on one of his tracks, um, rapping about, you know, eating a bag of dicks is not a very DJ, DJ shadowy thing to do at all. He's kind of totally irony free generally. So actually, this is kind of him trying to be a bit like, hey, OK, I'm loosening up. Well, they are making a much more bigger overall point about, you know, Black Lives Matter and of American course, but, it's, but even in the kind of, you know... With their throwaway humour. Yeah, and the music that surrounds it, it's just not something, it doesn't have that kind of portentous build-up thing that he's used to. Um, so, yeah, I think he has been trying things, and it's just a case of, yeah, good effort, but, you know... Yeah. We'll try to keep Run the Jewels to one side as we give <laughs> scores for DJ Shadows. The mountain will fall. Dave? 6.5. Yeah, I'll go 6, I think... Six. I'm going five. Whoa, I think that's yeah, harsh, man. Just didn't really enjoy it. I thought your six point five was generous, to be honest. So uh, I was go. seven at one point. Um, I say. In um, terms of what else people can listen to, if they're if those shows for, are scores for DJ Shadows, put people off. Well, I would suggest everyone goes and listens to Blood Orange's new album because it's on Spotify, uh, Freetown Sound, um, and it's really good. I mean, we played the single. Um, but there's a few numbers that are much bigger bangers on there. Uh, it's quite a long record. So, yeah, definitely delve into that one, guys. I have been for the last week. Uh, I'm not sure if it's out uh, this week or next week, but uh, Metronomy's new one, it's called Summer 08. And, um, yeah, it, it is a pretty unabashed pop record. Um, Robin makes an appearance. Uh, Mixmaster Mike comes along and scratches oh, nice. for a while. <laughs> Love that. And, uh, funny <laughs> enough, DJ Shadow was choice number two for Metronomy. Um, Ooh, yeah, 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 mountain has right. fallen. Perhaps. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just 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 a really fun fun album. And kind of going right back uh, to the, the the music he was making in in those kind of like late noughties. Um, yeah, well worth checking out. Going back to music that they were making a long time ago are the New Look Blink-182. California is out now. 16 tracks, <laughs> quite a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> two of which are skits, which are less than a minute long and are juvenile oh, crap. They're sticking with the skits. Yeah, it's a shame. And it's a shame, really. This record is a bit of a shame overall, I have to say. Tom DeLonge kind of had the right idea, as I've noted in my Headstuff review, in which I award the record 4 out of 10. I should clarify that I used to be a huge Blink fan. I think there's a lot of merit still within those people. Uh, the self-titled album in 2003, I think, is excellent. Uh, Plus 44, which Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker started after the band dissolved for the first time, released an album in 2007 or so, which was 2006, which was good, but not blow away, but it definitely was like enjoyable to hear him kind of out in his own. I had big expectations for this because Matt Skiba of Alkaline Trio came in, and I thought, well, if you're going to replace Tom DeLonge, that's a pretty heavyweight replacement. Skiba is totally wasted. Uh, like, they don't... He feels like he's just a session guy playing guitar lines and lyrics that were written for him. His vocals are oddly produced. Uh, it's Mark Hoppus singing about high school still... Bored to Death, a song that you guys weren't terribly enamoured with, is the best song on the record. Wow. Uh, there's a song called Los Angeles, which is of a similar kind of nature, and it's very good, but it does the exact same thing. After four songs, it's just nosedives. It's not interesting. It's pop punk by numbers. It's disappointing to hear a guy in his 40s do the Jimmy Eat World thing about still singing about teenage shit. Uh, Travis Barker is great, but it's Travis Barker's like an indie wrestler. He just gets all this shit in. You know, like, and that's fine. But overall, it's a massive, massive disappointment. I, I, I'm, I, I wanted this to be really, really good. I did the best I could do with it. 
it's just no good. And they brought in you were producing, right? <laughs> well, actually, it's funny because they brought in co-writers. They brought in Patrick Stump from Fallout Boy. Uh, I, I I have a soft spot for him. I'd have a soft spot for Fallout Boy, but he's very good with his melodies. But there's nothing here. It's so paint by numbers. It's not good. But I'll tell you what is good though is we started a feature on Headstuff Music recently called the Playlist. People have curated them. We're all going to do one ourselves pretty soon. We're up to about six now. And uh, yeah, head on to Heads of Music, look up the playlist. Uh, there's a great email playlist actually that's up there, which is worth a bit of crack. No taking back Sunday on it though. God and damn. of course, when you're on Head Stuff, check out the other podcasts. Um, Fascinated, the Big Daddy of Mall, the Head Stuff podcast itself. There's Juvenalia and the Alison Spittle Show, and of course, our own good selves. And uh, subscribe, when, yeah, subscribe, rate, uh, iTunes, Android, all that fun stuff. Uh, get involved and of course get in touch with us because well we want to hear from you about a whole variety of things but especially for our exit music yeah Yeah, uh, you'll like this one because this is a new band that's two thirds Corkonian so there you go Uh, (laughs) they uh, they moved to Yorkshire (laughs) though apparently so they've left just like you abandoning let's not bury the band before we've had a chance to hear what they have to say like calm the fuck down yeah Jesus Christ the name of the band is Ganglines. The song is called Fallow. Ganglines is a Yorkshire-based, as you've pointed out, Craig, a two-thirds Kirkonian, as I've pointed out. <laughs> banger factory. Got it all covered. Yep. Founded in 2015, Imro Donovan, Chris Saywell, and Brian Scally are attempting to get every noggin nodding with heavy doses of mathy pop-punk grooves, which I hope are better than the Blink-182 ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first single taken from their forthcoming debut EP called Fetch, which has a release date of August the 2nd. There will be Irish dates this year, Craig, so you can go and you can apologise in person. I intend to. Uh, well, you should. If I got into get guest list. Uh, this is Fallow. It's more banger than math, and it's pretty, pretty good. I like this one quite a lot. So, to play us out this week, Ganglines and Fallow, my name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be no Encore. My co-hosts have been Craig and Cullum. Thank uh, you. Thanks. And by the way, we, we didn't even mention it, man. Cullum brought in cookies this week. Oh, yeah. Delicious yeah. cookies. And they were, that he uh, made himself. They were... Uh, they were... were really... Oh, Jesus. Really, really good. Uh, See you next week. We enjoyed them. Enjoyed the song. Bye.
This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Oh. <laughs> Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.